0: hello you're listening to the consequential podcast i'm dave here's lucy Uh. there's roger hello hello lucy what have you been reading
1: all sorts
0: tell us
1: so i read nimona by noelle stevenson which was great that's um, why you liked it. I liked it for for many reasons. If if you were someone who enjoyed um, Mark Ellaby's Chloe Noonan series, you'd probably enjoy this too. It's a if you like the belligerent ginger ladies, sassy teens who do monster related shit and fight people, then yes, that's probably your bag. It's probably your scene. Uh, similar, but more of a high fantasy setting, which was nice. Yeah. Um, my notes include lines like. Turns into a dragon and mauls a guy, which was a highlight. Yes. Um, it was. It was. It was doing a lot with the whole idea of there being sort of rules of engagement in the traditional hero and villain thing. There's your villain is a very principled villain. There's shit he's not willing to do. He has his very own kind of internal. What's his name? Mechanism. His name is Ballast of Blackheart.
0: Which is pretty good.
1: It is pretty good.
0: <laughs> not as good as the uh, hero. The
1: hero, Ambrosius Goldenloin. Oh. It's great!
0: And into this barrel's Pneumonia who decides she's going to be a, a sidekick to the villain. Yes. Just turns up and decides that she is a sidekick and she's a shapeshifter.
1: Yes, by the way, she's a shapeshifter, which in the beginning seems fun and innocuous and possibly helpful and ultimately turns out to be a great big plot point um, <laughs> and kind of the sort of the fundamental structure of the, 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 the meat of the story. Um, it's also really nice and feminist. Um, there's a sort of little sort of offshoot parable of not very much importance where a female knight goes and just deals with stuff and it's, there's no big deal. It's just totally normal that the knight might have been a woman. That's not a weird thing at all. And I really enjoyed that. Made me feel good and welcome as a reader who has two X chromosomes.
0: Arclight did something very similar, like very, very gender fluid knights. Mm-hmm. Um, it never really addresses it. It sort of... I think they're meant to be female but genderqueer for the most part. But it doesn't really go into it in any particular detail, certainly not in the first couple of issues. It just is, and that's nice. Yeah, Yeah.
1: No, it's the same with this, which is, I I think, a really good thing about the fact that there are a lot more diverse creators getting their work out there these days means you get much more of this just, it's totally normal to be this thing that I am.
0: Noelle Stevenson's done incredibly well at, at getting this off out there recently as well. I mean, Nimona's been optioned for film. Woo! Um, oh, Lumberjanes, I think, has also been optioned for film. She's been writing that. Oh, mm-hmm. she's that person. She's that person. She's also um, been writing Runaways for Marvel. She's picked that up again. They've restarted Runaways. I you
2: forgot about Runaways. Is it worth looking at?
0: I haven't read her version yet.
2: Um, I mean, it sounds like the kind of thing, so. but
0: I will take a look at it at some point
2: soon.
1: Um... As much as it sort of does stuff with the villain having his very own kind of complex internal system of rules that he must follow, it also... You've kind of got your guy who's in the role of the bad guy who wants to be good and do that well, and you've also got the guy who's in the role of the good guy who has a lot of bluster on the surface, but later ends up saying, I never did anything good my whole life. He's the sort of the pretty poster face of heroics, but he's actually kind of fucked up. And it it plays very, very nicely with the sort of old dichotomy of good and bad. Uh, the character stuff is, it's really deep and complex and it's really well done. Uh, there's a lot about sort of being consumed by stuff, I'd say pretty much everyone in it. It has sort of some level of kind of thing that is eating them Yeah. And, and it just kind of deals with all of that systematically. So that's nice.
0: And you read the book version as well, which I is insanely cheap version. for some reason. Right. Um, I,
1: I got it with my free money from the Clicky Clicks.
0: Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, like every three years, mm-hmm. the clicks pay out. And we did good. We yeah. we take in what I believe you've been referring to as the mad chets. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Roughly six ninety nine of excellent comics. The crazy from Amish. Mm-hmm. I think what I
2: got Volume of Orbital, didn't I? Yeah.
0: yeah. That's and on the, brand. Yeah. And I got Last Man. What else have you been reading?
1: What else have I been reading? I also read Munu by uh, Malik Sajjad which is the Isometric Deer comics. Which we've been referring
0: to as the Isometric Deer comics the last few weeks. Yes. Um, Has
2: it had an astounding, fawning, but incredibly sort of comics tone deaf right up in the Guardian yet probably I've
0: not seen much mainstream coverage
2: of it
1: I'd be amazed if it doesn't at some point cause it seems right up there. street for fucking tediously pissing around the edges of without really getting to the meat yeah, of the they'll,
2: thing they'll assign it to someone that is more more at home with conventional literary fiction wastes half the review explaining that wow comics are serious now makes a casual allusion to Watchmen, and then mumbles about the issues
1: yeah so, so it's the Jonathan Jones the issues are right there um by page eight, the child, Munu, the protagonist, gets tear-gassed, and that's pretty much sets the tone for the rest of the thing. He's um, This is in recent Iraq, isn't it? Kashmir. Kashmir. A different Warton place with people who aren't white. Um, which, that so, makes me sound like a bad person. It does, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: No, I've really just uh, looked at the front cover of the book, and it's, it's quite hard to Islamic get that, from art, the geometric deal, Which
1: is fair enough, because he's from the Muslim side. Um, Yeah, it's one of those things where it's very... I mean, the, the thing that it reminded me the most of was Persepolis, and not just because it's... Black and white, Middle Eastern. Exactly, not just for those reasons. It's also very much about growing up in an increasingly restrictive regime where religion plays a sort of deep part in that. There's sort of... The situation deteriorates for both... You know, both in Persepolis and, and mm. in this, um, as, as the character's growing up. It's about a young boy. He the, All the Kashmiri people are portrayed as deer in this, which is sort of distinct from the um, Indian invaders and Westerners who come and visit and stuff like that. They're very much kind of a, a single kind of design for the people, which works quite nicely. And... Um, the story of him sort of growing up in this quite restrictive environment there are lots of martyrs lots of people getting killed army crackdowns his family are in danger there's no electricity shit's shit's bad shit's not good and um he takes an interest in art and grows up to be a cartoonist and does political cartoons for the local paper and that's kind of i think it's pretty much autobiographical the guy who wrote it i think did start off cartooning and then was encouraged to make a graphic novel of his experiences of growing up um but the sort of, I guess this is one of the central points and something that I think gets overlooked a lot of the time is that the entirety of the sort of Indian and Western perspectives on the Kashmiri situation are very much kind of pushing it in the direction of being an internal thing between India or a question of India or Pakistan. And there's this whole sort of Kashmiri self-rule movement that has just been repeatedly shafted for centuries. They they don't get that as an option, and I know I don't think a lot of people do. So mm. if you're interested in the history of this part of the world, it's a very, very good primer on that. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's it's tough going. It's long. It's dense, and mm. a lot of
2: bad things happen to people who don't deserve them. I nearly picked it up because it's it's visually arresting, mm. but it is a lot. It looked so the panels are quite small. Yeah, and it, it looked quite dense. It's it's, it's dense small, with like it's, pages? It's,
1: yeah, visually dense in about three hundred and fifty pages. Mm it's a it's a long-going thing but but good and worth it and also sort of divided up into kind of chapters of his life to the extent that you can pick it up and put it down and take take in a bit of it and Mm -hmm. come back to it if you want to
0: and you've also been catching up on some um, catching up reading chunks of it
1: reading chunks of it i've read the first four and then i read this one which i think is eight
0: yeah but i haven't read the ones
1: in between Neil Gaiman just needs to learn to kill his darlings, and he's never going to, but it just pisses me off every time I try to read him.
2: Which one this time?
1: Just just throughout the way he writes, he can't let go of his clever little ideas, even when they don't quite work, and it, right. it's, I find it bothersome. You know, it's. I guess for me the central sort of premise of Sandman is, yes, goths can have a nice time too. <laughs>
2: I would probably characterise it differently but I take your point That's,
1: that seems in, in terms of the sort of the design and the tone of the stories yeah. that seems to be yeah, we can have something spooky and kooky and it's fun and mythology and you know I don't dislike it it is fun to read but I don't love it wholeheartedly
2: yeah okay I mean I'd have probably gone with wanking on about something to do with stories and power and folklore and I don't know
1: I'm I guess not... I can't get past I can't get past Neil Gaiman's Neil Gaimanness enough to okay. care about what he's trying to do with stories and with folklore and stuff. As mm. in, the barrier of entry for me is too high. Okay. I don't want to have to deal with that to get to what is perceived as the good stuff by other people. They're fun. I enjoyed them. You know, I, I enjoyed mm. the stories, but they didn't mean anything to me.
2: Mm. Uh, some of it's a bit on the nose, particularly in... So, I mean, World's End is the sort of photocameron and thing, the nested set of mm. nested... Like, I think you end up about five layers deep at one point. Um, three, four... Anyway, you end up a few layers deep at one point, but... The... The, the Hobgadling one... Is that your Inception but, That's my voice. Inception place <laughs> <voice. laughs> the, uh, the Sea Monster one is just painfully on the nose. Mm. The others are better um, in, in that volume.
1: It's also... Nobody thought that the '90s were going to date, and then they did. It's the problem of every generation. It feels—I don't know. It feels I, old, I don't disagree. Then. I just—I
2: wonder. I wonder what specifically ties that volume to the so the first two trades, probably Nocturnes and mm. Dream Country. Is it?
0: That I'm not plausible. sure why I've got it as the giant editions where it all just there's comes from. The first two
2: trades where it's kind of finding its feet, particularly the version of and Nocturnes, does feel very 90s and dated. Particularly in the art style. Yeah. But I just, I don't know, I'm, I, I can't really see that in World's End. I think, I mean, I think colouring, the, status, the colouring in the print.
1: Yeah, and it's the beginning and the end where when they're driving and then when he's telling a story in the bar, uh, it just felt sort of, it felt basically devoid of the sort of tendrils of technology that have crept in literally
2: everywhere. It's, it's, it's an, almost a, still an analogue world. Yeah. Actually, I totally get what you mean because I. It doesn't reading rereading it the other day. It didn't even occur to me that that was contemporary to the writing. Mm. I just assumed it was set in the past.
1: <laughs> no, you know the first thing when you mm. smash your car, it's suddenly snowing in the middle of nowhere. You crack out Google on your phone and find yeah. out what the fuck's going on. You don't go to a creepy inn up the road that wasn't there before.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's good travel advice, Kate. That indeed. is very good travel advice.
1: You should have put it on the travel podcast. Mm.
2: But yeah, I just I just didn't pass it as contemporary at the time of writing. I just thought this is set in the 70s.
1: Yeah, fair. I
2: mean, not least because of the, um, although to be fair, this is probably completely applicable to the, to the 90s or certainly to the 80s, but um, the low rumble of sort of sexism or like weird gender, workplace gender attitudes sitting under it.
1: Yes, and yet they're working in software, so it's, mm. it, ha- it can't be the 70s. Yeah. Well, he's I mean,
0: could, like but he's not quite that. It could, but you'd see them with different. stacks of punch cards. Yeah,
1: mm. which which isn't what they're getting at. Is I think the place where they work is meant to be pretty cutting edge for the time, and yet their staff handbook is a printed brochure. Mm.
2: There are some weird like this does bug me about gaming. There are some kind of linguistic unkilled darlings.
1: Yes, that's no, that's exactly what I mean. It's like the, the central... styling and the phrasing and the some of the little the little verbal jokes. There's stuff that I recognise wanting to do it myself and utterly loathing myself for doing it. I just wonder where his self-loathing is. But, I mean,
2: he's a successful man, so why should he hate himself? Maybe he does, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We could ask him on Twitter, he'd probably answer. Like, things like the centaur referring to himself as a surgeon mm. rather than a, a surgeon or something else. the, the, it's, the it's willful. The word, I,
1: the word I thought throughout was affected. It's...
2: Without paying off. Yes. So I think we would probably part ways in that I think sometimes this stuff does pay off for him. But there's plenty that doesn't.
1: I think. I think that's also why I sort of think of it's nice things for goth children. It's um, you know, the sort of the thirteen-year-old ones who haven't fixed on as an identity yet. Mm. It's something a bit nice and a bit dark and a bit spooky for somebody who wants something in the nebulous category of different
0: or alternative. That's maybe what Joan and Vasquez is for. I don't. Know, I don't know. If dating is necessarily a valid criticism so much as something that's annoying when reading something contemporary. Uh, no, it's fine. It's it's but... going to
1: happen, but. You know, in much the same... I guess I don't really like the aesthetic of the 90s or even Mm. the 80s all that much, particularly the way it's done in comics. I had this problem when I was reading the um, Dark Knight stuff a few months ago. It's every dystopia from the 80s is an inherently 80s dystopia and there's something just so grubby and depressing about that. There's nothing to do with the fact that it's dystopian. It's just Mm. fucking hell the 80s.
0: Sandman is sort of... Large chunks of it, and World's End certainly the framing bits are, of this stuck in the sort of Vertigo style, mm. long eldritch-looking people, and which is all sort of there's a derivation from the EC comics, EC horror comics of the the fifties. There's mm-hmm. sort of a lot of that, in the sort of ugliness and the big thick heavy inks. Um, well, you also have the let's just mash
1: together a bunch of random spooky slash fantasy shit so we've got some creepy undertakers and a centaur and a fairy and a mysterious middle eastern looking lady and hey they're all hanging out isn't this fun because it's all kind of roughly under the same umbrella of stuff
0: that sounds pretty good to me i can go with that but i've read i read other stuff that's in that sort of mashup of mythology and and folklore and and thoroughly enjoyed it like hellboy does that but it does it very
2: well it's what the whole franchise has been in a certain sort of a
1: way and I think I want to reiterate: it's not that yeah. I didn't enjoy yeah. it; it just bothered me at the no, same no, time. As a... sort of pure entertainment, as something mm-hmm. fairly charming and disposable, I actually quite like that style of fantastical storytelling. It's something mm-hmm. I'd like to be able to do myself, but I'm not mm-hmm. very good at. But this wasn't this wasn't
2: the perfection version of it, but it was possible. World's End is a it's a weird interlude in the story as well, in that it's the sort of I th- there are issues with the way it was ordered when it was published, but certainly the way the trades are structured. Mm. It's the sort of relaxing bit after the explosion. It's the mm. kind of little slack backwater thing, except it comes before the climax. It's mm. shoved in before Kindly Ones. So the implicit thing that's going on outside the window is and all of the stuff with the background for the death of the Endless and the Necropolis. Mm. You know, it, it's the funeral parade. It's the end of reality that comes at the end of the next book mm. it's it's um there's some very interesting well, odd pacing stuff on. yeah
1: sounds kind of clunky well i think it sort of works
2: but it, it works if you've fin- if you're mainlining the whole lot of the sitting it must have been hella weird coming out on the weekly uh monthlies i
1: don't know, i don't know why i've never got beyond four because i tried to read the whole
2: thing twice i've always stalled after four there's a lot of, not exactly filler, but if you're just interested in the mainline story, then there's a lot of stuff to wade through.
1: I also well, I quite like the filler as well. I just mm. There must be something about the end of that trade that made me not want to go on to the next
2: twice in a row. It feels like a good place to stop. Mm. Um, if it had stopped at four, then you've barely got into some of the elaborate arc stuff. You, mm. You've had a lot of value.
1: I might try the big one mm. and see if the big one does me any better.
0: Art, oh, what have you been reading?
2: Um, What have I been reading? A couple of webcomics, a non-webcomic. I think that was it and some stuff for the theme. What have I actually got?
0: You should should tell us specifically.
2: Specifically then? Um, I took a look at A Thousand Days, which is a webcomic by a dude called um, Zach Gorman. Does a thing called Magical Game Time and other bits and bobs and just quite a nice... Illustration style, art style. He's. Um, a thousand Days is. I, I was reading a little thing about it, it might have been on Comics and Cola actually. He was talking about it. Um, it's a real. <clears throat> not quite what this sounds like, but a real time webcomic, which is to say it's a robot that wakes up on a spaceship and the battery, all the power is going to run down in a thousand days. The robot is on his own, cute little guy, has a thousand days to live, effectively. He dies at the end. And the guy's doing this as a spare time backburner project, over the course of the next roughly three years, he will just when he has time or wants to, will do a few panels of the life of this robot slowly dying on or not not Well knowing he is going to die. On a deserted spaceship where the life support has failed and all the humans are dead and just the first couple of the first couple are just sort of the robot wandering around going, What? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on? And it's it's kind of charming, actually. It's, it's, it's kind of sweet and weird.
1: Tell me how a robot dies.
2: I don't know. Maybe the ship's going to explode or mm-hmm. something. Or maybe the power's going to run out, but. You know. I don't know. You'll find out in three
0: years.
1: Mm. I can't wait that long.
0: Um, a wizard did it. <sighs> oh, I knew it. it. Teamed up with a goblin. Oh, shit.
2: There's always a fucking goblin. Yeah. Hat goblin. Um. So yeah, that's it's it's in its it's in its early days. There's only a few so far. It's odd, it's kinda good. Um, it's gonna take three years. It's not like you can sort of it's not it's not a completed webcomic you can binge read, right? So it's it's just an interesting ongoing little thing. But the art's charming.
1: Would you recommend people just wait three years and read the whole thing, or would you start it now and go in for the drip feed?
2: I would say go and have a look, see if you like it and then set yourself an alarm for three years time. That's outlet can do that for you. Yeah, yeah. You can totally. You could maybe do it with with one of those those weird kind of
1: potatoes.
2: I, I don't know. I've Sponges. Lost.
0: Pay a man to just run up and punch you and scream. Yeah. Look at that comic.
2: <laughs> I've lost my mental thread completely. Yes. Uh, what was I trying to say? Is set uh, a reminder on your phone. Yes. No phone. Uh, yes, I was thinking of like Siri or Katana or one of those kind of clockwork demiurges for your pocket.
1: Okay, the voice inside. Are they, in their
0: role as demiurge, are they creating new universes specifically in your pocket? Is there a concern that they will crowd out your testicles? Well, Polly
1: Pocket, who also lives there. With What's her, she doing with the universe? In there? Well, hanging out in like a plastic tree, usually. Or being in a ring. I don't keep that in my pocket. No, I'm so confused. I, I d- could,
0: but jeans are very tight these days, and pocket space is at a minimum.
1: I, I think there might be a flaw in your so phone confused. telling plan, which is that in three years' time, you will probably have upgraded if you're on a two-year contract. Which uh, I the calendar will be a plan. People. The
0: calendar or is is connected the to the internet, calendar. so the calendar will re-download the new one, the unless you calendar. change from Android to iPhone or Vice versa, and even then, there are ways to deal with it. Wow! I still think this is the best. Option. We're
2: full of helpful advice. Don't go to the creepy inn. Set a calendar reminder. Um, I also had a look at a. It's also a fresh started. I think also recommended off comics and cola. Uh, Webcomic Fascist Friends by Erin Lux, who um, go if you go to her website, she is fucking good. There's a couple of sort of little. Um, little pieces she's done here or there there's um, some sort of single image bits and bobs and a few odds and ends some of the style is like a sort of sketchier webcomic-y mashup fashion illustration there's a really good sort of really sort of body designs and lines mm. um, but fascist Friends is again it's sort of kind of pretty very stylized thing about the kid who's about to go to college and um it is beautifully stupid, just isn't really paying attention because he's a bit self-absorbed, and has accidentally applied to fascism college, not fashion college. That's... This is the is
1: central joke, this is the premise. Yes. And his
2: parents know... If you're going they... to
0: start high concept, just really fucking run with it. So
2: his parents know, and they're really confused and upset because, well, like... Because fascism? Yeah, and he's... Because fascism's not great. Um, it looks like he's probably gay. Um, That's not gonna work with fascism. Yeah, the family are black. Fascists aren't necessarily gonna be racist, but there's a fairly strong kind of it's not necessarily there's at least some
1: correlation, yeah. let's say. So I don't want to accuse any fascists yeah. at home of also
2: being racists. No. So the it, no, we a, want to be
0: reasonable with you fascist guys.
2: It's, it's only the opening few so far, which is him getting his acceptance letter and being really pumped about it whilst sort of obsessively taking a bunch of selfies and generally fussing around and being a bit of shit, but kind of charming about it, and, and then he's just been packed off to fascist college and there's kind of everyone going, gosh, everyone looks terribly stern, um, to which his response is, yeah, well, we're from the Midwest, just try and be cool. Um, it, he's, he's adorably dopey, The art the art is lovely. And yeah, he's accidentally ended up at a kind of residential college for fascist dictators Mm. whilst wanting to study fashion, and clearly shit is going to go wrong. Uh, Visually, it looks like... Some fascist dictators
0: have big, you know, big things for fashion. Hugo Boss. Hugo Boss Mm -hmm. made a lot of Nazi uniforms. Brian Ferry thought that was great, and he's a fascist dictator as far as I can tell.
1: My dad saw him once in Plymouth coming out of a hotel into a taxi. He had a big froofy scarf on.
0: You'd expect that. You would. You would hope. From
1: Brian Ferry yeah. in the early nineties. Yeah. Well, any time really,
0: and regardless of the weather.
1: True. Mm. Glad we've covered Brian, Brian Ferry.
0: Brian Ferry's yeah. neck. At long last. The whole necular region.
2: <laughs> well, his neck was covered by the scarf. We did not do that.
1: Covering was done. I was going to go there if he hadn't. Really? Yeah. This is just. You both good let You both let me
2: down. So now, fascist friends, I, it's, there's only a few so far, ten or something. There aren't there aren't many, but I'm absolutely loving it. It's just entirely charming and it looks great. So again, sort of slight fashion illustration style. we sort of with stylized the kids. Uh, what is protagonist's name? I want to say Curtis, but I can't remember. Um, He's, in the first few frames, he's drawn a bit like the cover, of, a bit like a sort of Bad Anne Rand cover, the sort of stylized, slightly deco body shapes, yeah. which just works wonderfully with the, the slight, yeah, you fashion know, passion obsession. Um, it's got a nice colour palette. It's just a cute little thing. And I would say take a look at that and the other art on her site, which is very good.
1: Where, where did you find these uh, web comics?
2: So I'm fairly sure it was just through quickly flicking down um, Comics and Cola, because I'd not had a okay. look it a while, but it might have been from somewhere else. Uh, but no, they're, they're both both quite quite charming. Um, also, I wanted some quick things because I haven't had much time to read mm-hmm. for this, so we'll have a look at some new webcomics. comics. Started reading *The Abaddon* as well. I was nearly late for work this morning. Um, gosh, it's a bit good. Yes. Kind of uncomfortable. It gets yeah. it gets inside you and makes you feel weird. Yeah, it looks great. Mm. I covered that last week so I went well on it. But um, I also read um, *The Divine* by. Um, Asafenuka, um Termohanuka, and Boaz Boaz, 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 I think, Lavi, Lavi, I don't know, I'm not good with pronouncing, pronunciating, pronouncing. <laughs>
1: Aww. He made it a self fulfilling prophecy. Now he's crying.
0: Come back, Roger, and use your words. <laughs> I'm not wordsing good. Anyway,
2: by those guys. Um...
1: Not to be confused with the wicked and the divine, this is just, no, this is just the divine no a... wickedness.
2: And it's Oh, it's a near miss. Um, I wanna, I'll want i talk a bit about Tech on King, King later, but it's got some interesting stuff in common. It's very digital, like the colour palette. Um, and the first sort of... Some of the panels look a bit like sort of the crap early frames of a 90s, 90s webcomic that was just finding its feet. But it then sort of breaks into being genuinely well done. Big lurid colours. Um, a couple of explosives technicians boring work-a-day job um, as explosive technicians. Whatever. They're, they're doing material science with things that go bang. And neither of them are particularly happy. One of them has been in the military in the past and ends up being offered a contract in black ops keep blowing up a mountain in Vietnam, drags the other one along because the other one has money problems. It's a good um, way to solve
1: your money problems, blow up a mountain in Vietnam. They pay good for that.
2: And it gets super fucking weird. So I thought I was reading one kind of slightly... Well, I thought I was going to be... I can't remember why I picked it up, but it was...
0: It looks a bit like the sort of schloppy amorphous sci-fi that you tend to...
2: Yeah, I it thought on. it was going to get sort of spies and tech and explosions. But actually it goes off the deep end in terms of why it's sort of magic and demonically possessed child soldiers. I'm listening. And, and I'll come back to why this is a problem in a minute. Um, because it turns out to be super patronising and crazy of Orientalist. Um, Whoops. But... The, um, so the protagonist, Mark, I think his name is, and then there's a, the obnoxious dude bro who's working with Jason, um, has what looks like it's going to be a really unpleasant, slightly badly written kitchen sink drama, sexist portrayal of a crap marriage, but it, it's actually fine. It just it opens with a, him and his pregnant fiancé bickering about money, but they're, they're actually both well-drawn people, and you know it's not particularly objectionable. Um, it's not very interesting either. But... And then he, um, so the the sort of the background is, is, yeah, his life not going particularly well. He's just failed to get a promotion at work. He's got kids on the way. Turn out to be, there's a really irritating thing they do with the image of a detonation in the lab. Then looking like the early, not hasn't quite tuned in image of the ultrasound scan and a bunch of weird associations. But there's some really shit imagery stuff going on. But you, you kind of you think you're getting this comic about this dude's slightly shitty life and how he has to put up with this ex-military dude bro and then they end up in Vietnam doing explosive stuff and the obnoxious dude bro is super obnoxious and sort of yelling at the locals and you think it's going to be kind of corporate imperialist guilt comics mm. which, which it is to an extent and then all hell breaks loose they find this injured kid war orphan who leads them into the woods where they get ambushed by a bunch of child soldiers who, uh, well, well, Mark does, the other guy runs off, basically torture him until he agrees to um, help them recapture the mountain which is the home of their god, a giant dragon that has imbued one of them with magical powers. Mark, quite understandably, thinks that these kids that have, um, you know, child soldiers, war orphans, have probably gone a bit mad. I think you're going to call them war orphans. I wasn't going to. Oh,
0: can if you like. Nah. It feels uh, like a bad place for a portmanteau word.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there was, was a tone same, same. <laughs> It
2: feels portmantendentious.
1: Portmantender.
2: Yeah. Um, then the magic, semi demonically possessed kid walks unharmed through a minefield, turns a bunch of jumping mines into parrots and storms an army base by bringing giant tin soldiers to life um, and um, ripping a whole bunch of people's spines out through their skin. Spines, you say? Spines, brains, bowels, flop out through the back, thop. popping flesh, wow. big, rich, pulpy colour palette. It's, it goes absolutely fucking crazy in the middle. And it's, it's, it's a ridiculous riot. It... And it's it's big and it's fun and it's daft, and it's got that kind of I'm enjoying the incongruity of watching tiny children do comedy violence thing that you get from TikTok King Creek, but oh god, it's a bit uncomfortable. Mm. Plus the mad magic thing. And then it collapses back at the end to the horrifying corporate imperialism thing of White dude ends up saving the day because reasons and makes a call to a new to a news network and suddenly America knows what's going on and they've decided that everything has to stop and mm-hmm. it's it just ends up being oddly toned down and it's got this bulge of weird in the middle and then collapses back to the grotty suburban life. Are you sure it's not a spine? The bulge of weird. It could be the popping spine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just I think it's a total mess structurally. The, it, I, and I'm not sure that the weird middle bracketing shitty suburban life parentheses feel it doesn't feel like a particularly dialectic arrangement mm-hmm. like I don't yes there's a contrast there's an explicit thing going on around him expecting a child and then there's his child later and the war man with the, 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 the child child soldiers being denied a particular type of childhood and their weird magic having a resonance with play and mm-hmm. with childhood imagination games of the giant implausible snake the, the, yeah, sure. There's there's some stuff, but you like your snakes more plausible.
1: Still giant,
2: but G- uh, preferably giant and magic. I do, I do like my snakes giant and magical, and that the thing where they eat the guy's skull, and it's it, it's just got really fucked politics. It's just a bit of a mess, which is a pity because it's beautiful. And then you turn, and then there's a little coda at the end from the authors showing a picture of some actual Vietnamese child soldiers. Um, like ten years old or something smoking cigarettes holding guns and there's the little coda that basically says a few years ago we saw this image and and it's been sort of stuck in our heads for a while and we decided to write the mythical version of it and I was like oh 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 not ipso facto terrible not totally off the table doing a thing about mystical child soldiers and the ones in question had accreted a certain degree of mythos Mm. fine doing it in this way with this slight lack of sensitivity yes the, the the corporate imperialists are bad guys but they're such appalling caricatures it's mm. it really like the Jason the blokey buzzcut dickwad is, is just not a person he's a series of knuckle dragging cliches in a vest it, and as such that just gives it no there's, there's no Dying depth there's no, like there's no nuance
0: it's
1: yeah you wouldn't call him subtle would you it just it
2: just doesn't quite
0: click together. Apart from the racism, this sounds like everything I want in a comic. I'm wondering Popping how much spines. racism I can put up with. The spine's
2: good. The big the big lizard thing's good.
0: It sort of sounds like a, 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 almost a prequel to Akira. Um, what happens when you do have super powerful psychic children running around?
2: I, I don't want to oversell you on the. Psychic children, but some of it's pretty damn good.
1: He's a man who'd be saddened if he was oversold on the psychic children. Yeah, please, children. please
0: do not like when the psychic spine-ripping children underpromise and overdeliver. Tell us about Squirrel Girl, the girl of the squirrel. Yes, that's the one. Um, it's good. Elaborate.
2: I thought you were going to talk about it.
0: Well, you've been reading it as well. Wow, what I thought would it. happen is you would start talking about it, I would interject with observations of my own, and we'd have a fucking conversation about a comic, which is what we've been doing for three years.
1: God, it's been a long time. Yeah,
2: death can't
0: come quickly enough, really, can it?
1: Well, we're hastening it with the rest of our lifestyles. Yeah.
0: Squirrel Girl by Ryan North, him from Dinosaur Comics. Which I hate. And being a guy on the internet.
2: Being in the hole. Okay, I don't really... Oh, being, being in the being hole, in hole, hole is great. Being, I don't being hate the so comics. I don't... It's often... I just can't ever face reading it because the typography gets on my tits. What about the fact that his dog is called Noam Chomsky? Yeah, it's brilliant.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm happy with that <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. No, no argument here.
1: And I think um, Chris Anstadt, the Akewood guy, has a, a fat little wiener dog called Fatsy Klein. Aww. Again, pretty good. Yeah.
2: Brilliant.
0: Pretty good. Dogs of comics, we salute you. Yeah. Good, good good, dogs, comics. Good dogs. <laughs> um, and Erica North, I don't know anything about her dog. Sorry. She write, draws a good comic, though.
2: It's good. So, Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, I think we've talked about this before. She is a girl with the powers of a squirrel and a girl. She's got partially squirrel blood. She's got a big tail. She's trying to go to university and main, clumsily maintain a secret identity. She's
0: super stoked because she's just moved out of the attic in Avengers mansion. And she's just... Well, I don't, I don't think anyone knew she was there, either. <laughs> she's just been crawling down the chimney. And it appears that like she
2: actually is a proper street-level, or not always street-level, superhero with all the proper superhero powers, but no one really takes her that seriously. Like, Tony Stark likes to tip the piss out of her.
0: Because she's... Girl. She's yeah. got a squirrel tail. And, and she's and relentlessly upbeat. And it's is... just...
2: It's so sweet. It's, it's just utterly charming. It's like... Buffy before it got dour. What, before
1: everyone was addicted to magic? Yeah, or whatever. Or lesbianism.
0: I think one was... Uh, uh, clumsy metaphor for the other perhaps I don't
2: know Mm -hmm. like like, once you get past season Pussy is like magic
0: (laughs) that was the name of one of the episodes I think it won an Emmy Mm.
2: god fucking late season Buffy but it's got that
0: sort of goofy really I just want to excise the part of your brain that makes you complain about the Jane Espenson years carry on
1: you guys have got the previous on this. This, is, just, it, this is a long-running discussion for you. This
0: is, this is, it's not so much that late Buffy isn't very good as a tangent Roger, Roger occasionally wanders down. It's more that other conversations are a tangent from that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is totally unfair. No, no, no. Also, that's, your, that's your central thesis. Also, all like, of spring from it. Come on, it is bobbins. There's some great episodes in the mix, but broadly it is Bob. It is,
0: but we're, we're here to talk about comics. Yeah. We are here um, to talk about comics. Godly. Squirrel
2: Gugling, we're barely here to talk about comics. We're barely here at all. Mm. So yeah, it, it, she fights crime, she's kind of derpy. It's, it's just this light, fun thing. There's this thing about, yeah, she's defeat, defeating Galactus and then sitting on his corpse and taking a selfie. It's full of dumb little jokes... It's quite steeped in the Marvel stuff, but not in a way that you need to know it. Yeah,
0: there's, sort of, there's a long-running joke that she's one of the only characters who's legitimately beaten Doctor Doom. It wasn't a Doom bot or anything like that. Mm. There was no other reason. She, she beat Doctor Doom. Yeah. And she rarely ever used... She was in this Iron Man special, which is where that comes from. She was in Dan Slott's Great Lakes Avengers mm. about ten years ago, which was like, everywhere else has an Avengers, why not Milwaukee? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great concept! <laughs> And they were just they were just absolutely shit, and I think she and one other person were the only competent people there. And then she sort of pro- cropped up now and again, but this is the first sort of proper one going... This is it's her flourishing. This is her yeah. blossoming as a, and a uh, squirrel
2: and a woman. It's just so much fun, and it's really funny.
1: I'm, I'm very much looking forward to reading it when you're done.
0: Yeah, you're going to need glasses. There's tons and tons of tiny invisible text.
1: Don't say that. I was meant to get glasses in January and I still haven't
2: done it.
0: You're going to need to sit real close to the book. I can do that. Okay.
2: I can bring it up to my face. It, it opens with her book The Squirrel Girl theme, which is her version of the Spider-Man it's, theme, and it's amazing. It's just her singing stuff about herself to the Spider-Man theme
0: tune <laughs> while talking to Tippy Toe, her best friend squirrel. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's after, squirrel friends that's after the last one died in uh, Great Lakes Avengers. Mm. At one point
2: she summons all of her squirrel friends and gets them to attach themselves to her body as an armoured battle suit.
1: okay. Now I'm 100% in. Now I'm, I'm here.
0: I'm ready. Yeah. It's one of those weird little tangents of superhero comics that's really good fun. Um, you need it in your life.
1: I, I look forward to it. I've read, I've read the, first, um, the first single mm. and I look forward to picking up the rest of the trade.
2: Dave, oh. would you like me to ask you what you've read?
0: By a Squirrel girl. How was that? I really liked it for reasons already stated. <laughs> um, I also read uh, the Marquis the Marquis of Anouan, um, the first volume of that called The Isle of Brac, which is by Fabien Velman, he of um, Beautiful Darkness, uh, and Matthew Bonhomme, and this is this came out about ten years ago in France. and It's just been translated into English by Cinebooks. Did you read it in English? I did read it in English, okay. yeah. Could you have read it in French? I could probably have got close, but some of it's in old Breton, so yeah. I really need that in translation. Yeah. I I am um, not Breton's so Breton's a great language, though. Well, I, I mean, I could probably get partway there because it's a Celtic language, yeah. and so it's close to some of the stuff that I know from... I don't know anything about Breton.
1: Oh, it's great. It's got lots of Ks and Zs. Ooh. Not as many as Basque, but it's. Oh, I spent a lot of time in Brittany as a child. And um, I have an appreciation for black, white, and Breton
2: language. Did not know that. Mm.
0: So the, the book is about this sort of young, um, former medical student, uh, sort of man of science in a superstitious age, um, trying to find his way in the world. And he's taken a job as tutor for this uh, young child, child two. Uh, the Baron of the Isle of Brack, who everyone refers to as the Ogre, and no one in the town will talk to you when they find out he's working for him. So he's sort of completely isolated from the start. And uh, as soon as he gets there, the child shows up dead. Um, and then uh, later on, after being chased into the forest by yokels, he spots the child, who then runs off. Um, and it sort of turns into quite light. It's not, it's not sort of grim and oppressive it's quite a pacey adventure story but it's a sort of is it supernatural is there another explanation for it and it's sort of very much an origin story of him as a sort of Tintin-esque supernatural investigator Mm. Um, not that Tintin
1: was a supernatural investigator but you sort
0: of (laughs) of, he he is someone who goes on adventures that Mm. coincidentally last around 60 pages charming French (laughs) adventures (laughs) yeah yeah Frenchers. is he going
1: to go to the Belgian Congo I hope not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I
0: doubt it because it's set in the late 1700s. Okay. So it doesn't that exist. There wasn't really one. No.
1: No. There no. were other ways to be racist in the late 1700s. Well, the late 1700s, yeah.
2: The beginnings of the, well, the Dutch East India Company were up to no good.
1: they have been slave trading for a good while. Mm. Not, yeah. Not the Dutch East India Company. Mm. Other people. Maybe the Dutch East India Company. I wouldn't want to speculate. Can't remember.
0: But but Hanoan apparently means lost souls in Breton. So is mm. the mark of lost souls. Um, I really enjoyed it. I
1: um, would like to borrow it. I like Breton mythology and shit. That sounds fun. And adventures. Everyone likes adventures.
0: I described it as, to Roger as Tintin, ghost, Tintin versus the Wicker Man. Uh, it's not quite that, but, you know, it's... Um,
2: close enough. Close enough. Close See, enough you, you, you had a go at me having, like, a thing that I constantly dwell on, but you're just all Wicker Man all the time. That's because I intend
0: to put you into a Wicker Man and burn you to death. And the moment I do that, thus securing... A bountiful crop of apples for the next year. The moment I did that, I'll oh, shut the fuck up.
1: Can I punch a guy in a bear suit?
0: Yes. Hang on, do you want to be in the bear suit or do you want to punch I want someone? to be punching. Right. Uh, bear the, suit the guy. Punching, the guy who's in be. the bear suit. Okay, the puncher. I don't know. You're like, going to pour the some The
1: puncher piece. or the punchy? Who's in the bear suit? Nicholas Cage, always. Nicolas Cage is in the bear suit. He's in the bear suit. And he
0: gets punched or he punches? He punches a woman. Right. Ah. I
1: was misled. I
2: was misled.
0: I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. In slow motion. Thank you. Set to chariots of fire. Amazing. Oh, it's amazing.
2: <laughs> you can't pull bees, Nicholas. You just
0: can't. Uh, I also read um, Last Man by Bastien Vivès, uh, Thank you, Michael, laville and Balak. And this is another French series that's been... Uh, Apparently, going great guns in France recently. It's just been translated by First Second. Mm. It's being published in Mm. something close to manga format. Um, And it's about a sort of Mediterranean looking fantasy town with uh, a set of rules and a fighting tournament. Um, And all of the different styles of martial art and associated magic are coming together and uh, taking part in this tournament. Um, to decide who is the best, and the sort of personal intrigue around that. One of the protagonists is a 12-year-old boy who wants to participate, but it's a two-man tournament, and his partner eats bad seafood and drops out uh, <laughs> the last minute. Um, because France. Yeah, the last minute. The last. Everyone. Minute,
1: everyone can
2: identify. <laughs> That's quite the, an anime
0: trope as well. The last minute, is um, a, a stranger turns up, also without a partner, and the stranger is, you know. 20-something, 30, clearly not from around there, um, and they team up and they decide to fight together, and that's sort of the, the beginning of this book, and when I started reading it, I, I didn't think much of the art, it's kind of impressionistic and doesn't necessarily do a great job of setting the scene, although apparently the original ones have that manga thing of doing colour for the mm-hmm. first few pages to sort of give you a slightly better product and also to set the scene this doesn't do that it's all sort of it's it's sort of black white and a couple of grey tones that colour thing drives me nuts um, but I think with your partial colour blindness you probably struggle with the degrees of grey mm. um, <laughs> <laughs> there are quite subtle shades of grey the fucking ableist dude I'm saying you would I'm fine with grey I'm a fucking pragmatist no they're quite subtle alright fine, fine. I'm if very you think subtle. you
1: can see those colours go ahead yeah
0: don't blame me when you lose out on the tiniest amount of subtlety. Um,
1: I feel like I've never been more receptive to French comics, based on the ones you've just sold me on. I'm I'm keen for these.
0: So this was this this I really enjoyed again, and I sort of found myself not not really liking it at the start. And by the end of it, I wanted to read the next one straight away. Um, and it's just it's just so odd. You have people basically in a sort of a child's fantasy magical kingdom doing magical things and there are dastardly villains who are up to no good and you've got a guy who's clearly a street brawler from our world mm. who's wandering around joining fighting tournaments in it's not clear but he's 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 definitely just somehow getting to various fantasy worlds and joining in fighting tournaments. yeah so that it's it's really unclear how or if that's actually the case but he's in You know, he runs out of cigarettes and finds out that cigarettes don't exist here. Um, (laughs) Mm. People are really confused by him referring to a motorbike. Um, So that's fun, the sort of central mystery of how has he got there from where he's from. Mm. Um, And it's just charming. It's really odd and charming. And I enjoyed it a lot I want to read this I mean I just like I like fighting tournaments as a basic setup because I'm a child that grew up on Bruce Lee films and mm. Street Fighter 2 so basically I would like everything to be resolved via fighting tournaments F- fight
1: talk- fight good you do good good things happen Yeah. this is a, your worldview mm. this
0: is your Abs- absolute value system yes it's like exactly. it's like an insert me. coin obviously
1: why why have you two not fought on the air yet? Um, I mean, it's been bickering, but not it's really It's not punches. a very visual medium.
0: It's not a very no. visual
2: medium,
1: no. Grunts and growls would make up for that. Don't really
0: tend to fight a lot, don't do a lot of fighting. No,
2: I've never really been in a fight. I've only I been mean, a
1: I'll punch. punch you, I'll punch both of you. <laughs> we know that. Yeah. We know that. It's a thinly veiled threat. You'll punch in a second.
0: <laughs> she's, she's telling us you to You might even try the twofer. Yes.
1: I don't think I'd succeed. I'm not very coordinated. I'd be yeah. better off with the old one, too. Yeah.
0: But then the second person would know about it and they'd be ready. I'm lightning fast. Are you sure? No.
1: What else did you read, Dave?
0: Are I'm, you not done with the fighting. I'm now worried that I should just throw up a fighting stance. No, Last Man, it's a book about fighting. There's Fight. A, there's, a, <laughs> there's a mystery. You should read it. Um, I read Hound um, by... It's also broadly about fighting. There's certainly some fighting in it. But, and there's a, there's a Hurley tournament. Um, Of course there is. By Paul Bolger and Barry Dalton. We interviewed Paul back at Thought Bubble last year. Nice man. And Hound is originally uh, a book that they they kick-started, so they want to make it as a film, um, and they've been doing various things to raise interest. One of them is the Kickstarter for the comic Mm -hmm. version. So I believe he's a a screenwriter and storyboard artist by trade. Um, So it's the story of Kukulainn the uh, sort of the main heroic figure in Irish mythology, sort of the equivalent of Hercules.
1: I had the misfortune of making his acquaintance via Yeats as part of a dissertation I didn't actually want to write on a subject I wasn't interested in. Okay. Which I think might have tainted the whole mythos for me. That's
0: bad. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's fine. Yeats had a very specific take on, and a very saleable take on uh, Irish mythology. Um, the whole Celtic twilight, Mm. um, did very well for him financially. Yeah. Uh, this is a, this is a more grounded take. If you can have a grounded take on a giant warrior that, that sort of spasms and changes form, um, uh, uh, when angry. Um, it's a sort of origin story, this first volume, which is um, the one that was originally kickstarted and is now sort of appearing in bookshops. Yeah. Um, and it makes some fairly substantial changes from versions of the Kukulan story that people are likely to know, which realistically is the version in Thomas Kinsella's translation of The Tame Book Len. Um He is sort of influenced by dark forces from the start in this mm-hmm. um Leading him into, uh, leading him into being a warrior. Whereas, sort of the influence of the Morrigan, the sort of the war goddess mm-hmm. in Irish mythology, comes in later in in most tellings. But it's mythology; you don't have to do. You can switch any it up. Keep it fresh. You can switch it up. It's a good-looking book. It's mm, purely it's black, cool. white, and red. Um, mm. It's got a nice sort of inky style, and and sort of switches between realism and um, quite impressionistic stuff uh, in interesting ways. Uh, I thought the art style was very, very nice. There's some things in the writing that I, I personally wasn't a huge fan of that I didn't think quite made sense. But there's, there's sort of a change in, in sort of the reason for him being banished uh, or change, uh, a different character is involved. And it's to give people more motivation to give them more human motivation. And not the sort of mythological. And then this happened, mm. which makes sense. Um, is like, it still at base a big fight about a cow? Yeah, they haven't got there yet. That's it's Ireland, more yeah. sort of the um, it's it's more the the beginnings of mm. uh, of Kukland's life rather than the cattle raid of Cooley, which is sort of the mm. central um, surviving myth that people tend to know. But that's coming. Like so, Mev turns up and. Uh, you have other central be like, characters. She a fucking cow and it all kicks off. Uh, she's, she turns up and she grumbles about land allocations, um, which, you know, it's is a very it's practical a thing to do. mythology. It isn't is a very it? practical mythology, yeah.
2: Not unlike Star Wars.
0: Not at all, but more interesting.
2: I, I, I liked it.
0: Um, Good. There's a Kickstarter at the moment for the second mm. volume.
2: Yes, which also looks nice. Um,
0: in which you can buy the first volume as a hardcover, second printing to um, to fund the creation of the next one. They're also you can buy both. Yeah, in Gosh, yeah, you gosh buy and a few other places. Yeah. Um, and you can buy it when it's limited edition and shiny. It is an Android volume. It's a oh, nice. I like
2: oh, I like the end papers.
0: It's an interesting take on a, a f- something I'm fairly familiar with, but I think even if you don't know the story at all, it will probably make a certain amount of sense. Although, the one thing the one thing that I did st- that stuck out as weird is that it introduces the Fomorians, who are sort of sea people of Irish legend, but never really explains. So it just <laughs> it just looks like there's a phenomenally ugly person. Um, there's some sea dudes to just get over it. Yeah. There are also some incredibly detailed-looking people that really stand out amongst the others, and I'm wondering if they're just Kickstarter backers who got drawn in. <laughs> I have no, I have nothing to back that up with, but there are just one or two faces that look very, very clear mm-hmm. um, in crowd scenes very suddenly. It's, it's a little bit odd. But no, I'm All the secret
1: it. magical beings of some kind who will be elaborated on later. I don't know if there are any secret crowd fairies in Irish mythology.
0: Secret crowd fairies? Yeah, we're all about the secret crowd fairies.
1: <laughs> I think I've seen that video.
0: Secret, because she fairies in Irish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good was joke. A good that pun that
1: only you would enjoy.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't enjoy it. No. I felt bad having to make it. Actually, you looked like you were passing a kidney stone. Yeah, no, I, I didn't enjoy that at all.
1: Like a big one or the sort of gravelly sand guy? Medium gravel. I don't yeah.
0: have. I've never had a kidney stone. Yet. Squeezing the Yet. medium gravel through the window. Yeah. do a lot of salt. Just fistfuls of it.
1: My grandmother used to give me lots of cheese and then tell me it was going to give me kidney stones whilst I ate it. Oh, that really? Was the cheese give you kidney stones? Apparently. Or at least she thought it did.
0: She it's full of salt and fat. What does salt and fat do for your kidney function? <laughs> no, I'm so fucked.
1: For yeah. help, she was like the least emotionally abusive family member I had.
0: So, buildings. We were talking about them last week. We're going to finish talking about them this week. Sometimes we the only four ones look a bit...
2: <laughs> yeah, so last week we we stayed broadly on the more sensible kind of architectural thesis end of this.
1: Talking about spaces, places, and how yeah. humans interact with buildings and what they look like in comics and such like.
0: Yeah. And we didn't really get into the... Um, Mad as shit. Yeah, you know, the proper weird shit. Um, well, not just that, but... So, the whole um, building his character, mm. which, you know, you get a lot in things like Batman. Batman is of the city, part of the city, doesn't exist outside of Gotham, doesn't work without that. The station is his dad. That's a very specific example, yes, but the... the I only
1: know specific Batman, I don't they've, know they, they've been playing up
0: the fact that his family built the entire city in, in recent years and sort of tying... Uh, tying him further and further into the architecture of the city. So, um, it as an expression of his duck uh, obsession and him as a product of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a big thing in the some of the more recent stuff like Court of Owls, which mm. I thought was absolute shit. I've a lot um, of crap about that. A lot of people seem to really like it. It's by Scott Snyder, who is... You know, generally quite good when yeah. he's working on horror, but I just did not enjoy that at all. Did not think it was in any way interesting. Um, but there's other there's other storylines that have done the same, like Destroyer from the early '90s, which was about someone destroying buildings by a particular architect because he believed that they had demon fighting powers. Um, Sounds legit. Yeah. It's as legit as, get your top architectural correspondent right on this story, um, which is a sort of key point in Death by Design. Um, And other things have done this as well, like Akira is in Mm. a rebuilt post-apocalyptic Tokyo. Um, Nuclear bombs gone off, Tokyo has been rebuilt. Um, And... As a result, it doesn't really need to be recognisable, and a lot of the time, it's really treated as an extension of the character, whatever, whatever, or of um, Kaneda, whatever needs to be drawn to make it look really fucking awesome. Right now, is what gets drawn. It doesn't feel like a coherent city so much as a the city is as a, a backdrop, yeah, that's yeah. fluid as as needs to be. Tekkon is similar. Yeah,
2: there's got me about Tekkon Kinkreet, which is that. I remembered it as being more about the city. The premise of Devil Concrete is that it's set in a city, something a bit like Tokyo, but more kind of corporatized and overrun with um, just sort of... It, it almost like a less technologised version of Spider Jerusalem City, a, a more pervasively capitalised space. There, it's got a lot of... It's, it's got slum
0: territory, though, as well, which yeah, is kind yeah. of no, not normal in the, the aesthetic of... Certainly futuristic Japanese comics.
2: And, you know, it's got these kind of down at the heel board yakuza in it and just sort of stuff's kicking off that... The thing in the background to it, in as much as it has a plot, is that a couple of the crime families have got together to fund a gentrification project and mm. so there's going to be slum clearance. And Black and White, the two kids who are... Have you read it? I haven't, mm. no. They are ambiguously might-be cat spirits. It's, totally, it's not entirely clear. Yep, that sounds about right. Um... Are uh, they're these kind of feral kids? Um, black. They're both insanely psychotically violent, but White is a bit more mystical and wide-eyed and, and wondrous, and a bit less sort of developmentally far along. And Black is kind of a bit, you know, jaded for his years and a bit more fluent. Yeah. Um, and they hang out around with sort of semi-mystical tramps, and they, they're sort of known to the police. And one of them has a not-all-that-well-explored feud with one of the main Yakuza crime bosses. Hmm. Um, and periodically they, you know, beat the shit out of and actually kill quite a lot of mobsters and things, and just wander around in this kind of serendipitous, semi-magical way, springing off rooftops and anecdotally being able to fly. But they... And I remember the city being a character in it, and it sort of is, but what I hadn't realised until I came back to it was how tightly pulled the attention is. So it's actually far more about faces than buildings. There are a lot of, a lot of facial close-ups and very few sort of street view things. And when you do see the city, it's incredibly kinetic. It's a uh, I, I, I want to say inertial frame, but that's not quite it. But you're being kind of dragged along with their perspective. Um, you can only see as much as you'd see outside the moving window. You try and look outside it, and it doesn't quite coalesce.
0: Yeah. Whereas in Akira, it's much more like, this is art. Art is happening at you now. Mm. Um, It's incredibly dense and detailed. The city in Tevon Concrete is completely unmappable because it exists
2: only relative to the presence of black and white. Yeah. You you can never see anything outside the frame. There's no expanse of geography. There's no sweeping city view until the end, where they end up at the seaside for reasons. Um, one of them tries to plant an apple tree in this giant heap of dirt that just stays there, and it, it, it's kind of. The city is almost mutable around the, around their whims, I guess, and has. Yeah, so the bad guy's trying to change its scope and build something a bit like Disneyland. You occasionally see that, and you occasionally see it pull back, but it's spiky and the scale's wrong, and. Yeah. <laughs> It sort of looks like it was done by a kind of dickhead fusion of Klaus Oldenburg and Gaudi.
1: I don't know why, but this this discussion has—I think it was the post-apocalyptic thing—has brought me to the Adventure Time comics, which sort of share the the same kind of weird, constructed universe of the TV show.
0: Right, and oh, I seem to remember something about that—that that actually being a post-apocalyptic. It's established
1: landscape. that it is based on various cues throughout. The show, the sort of opening sequence, has some hints. They find some sort of pre-their civilization tapes that have kind of government messages about copyright on them. And it's eventually sort of, it turns out, it was a a gigantic mushroom bomb that destroyed the world in the first place. And then all this weird mutated shit's happened afterwards, which is why it's what it is. Hmm. And it's also that in comics, but it's not much different to the show.
0: That's fairly horrifying. For mm. a, um...
1: I love I love that kind of thing though. Are you familiar with the fan theory that the Pokemon universe is <laughs> after a gigantic yes. war? which I love. That's amazing. There are no adult men. The only adult men are soldiers or old dudes, yeah. and your children, and you leave your parents at the age of ten. Your mother at the age of ten to go around fucking raising mutant animals to fight each other. It's a highly militarized culture. Yeah, well, not highly, but you
2: know, there's yeah
1: fighting and training are very much part because of, of the everyday life. Battle thing. Yeah.
2: There's a lot of infrastructure, but not many people use it. There are cities that
0: are under-occupied. There
1: are bullet trains, but only you're the only
2: person who ever rides them. I think
0: they're under-occupied because you haven't got much memory on a Game Boy. Sure. It's because
2: of the war, Dave.
0: The war did it.
2: Yeah. There's been a grave and terrible war, and all that is left, kind-spirited, unpleasant caricature, housewives and battle doggies, That sounds awful.
1: If you're into that kind of thing, there's also a whole bunch of Pokemon creepypasta. Not
0: at all. Junjo Ito has done some uh, Pokemon comics lately. Oh, Oh, God. Yeah, so no. Famous Japanese horror comic, Uzumaki. Uzumaki is probably his best known one. And he's doing um, Pokemon comics.
1: No. Why is this not allowed, Roger? Tell them why I it's not Roger's allowed. I think Roger's are just
0: seeing a, an overlap in different areas of his life.
1: Ah, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. You don't, up, you up, don't up, want to... Shut, shut, shut up. Do you have to put, go home and put your hands over kids'
2: eyes? I don't want to wear the Pokemon suit.
0: It's all about the dark Pokemon. The dark... I think that's Dark what class. Right? Yeah. Yeah, type yeah.
2: rather than
1: class. Dark type. Oh, yeah. Robin, there was some, there like there. something
0: looking very, very... Uh, wrong about Pokemon with a giant tongue. Town. So, yeah. Maybe.
2: Also, yeah, and Jinjiro does this, this horrible graphic, unpleasant, quite body distortion-heavy horror stuff, right? So and I, think, I well, don't want to N- see that Nintendo are going to
0: pull him back a little bit, but it's more just a, a coup of having him do Pokemon. Horror, horror-esque Pokemon comics.
2: So uh, Akira has that City as backdrop thing, and take on concrete. You've got the city out the window, where only as much as exists needs to exist. Which, in and of itself, wouldn't be a bad premise for something. I mean, it's the kind of thing you could
0: almost imagine. Dark City. Yeah, yeah, something like that. You I could... mean, Dark Dark City is a sort of it's it's an exploration of uh, see you next. Uh, sorry, last Tuesdayism. Mm. Sort of the world has just been created. How would you know if it was a perfect um, uh, simulation?
1: See you next Tuesday.
0: Different yeah. Yeah, thing. Last Tuesday-ism.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you were going... You, you were going to Sorry.
0: But look, do you, have, have you ever had a conversation with uh, some stoned fuck who sat there saying, yeah, but how would you know if the world was a simulation where you haven't been thinking, see you next Tuesday?
2: Mm. Fair. The, so the, the city vignette in World's End is similar to this. It's the kind of how much city needs to exist outside the window. The guy that explores the byways and pathways. Mm-hmm. Um, beautifully drawn. And again, that's, you know it does kind of tell rather than show in a weird sort of a way mm-hmm. which, which is curious um, it's, it's quite
1: a sort of almost a fragmented art style it's yeah. trying to give you the dream city it's ultra decomposed in its panel
2: structure as well there aren't mm-hmm. really hard panel divides no um, just blocks of colour so there's, there's there's this kind of approach to realising space sort of just in time right like sort of just enough spatial realisation for the narrative which some things make almost a joke or a virtue out of like that mm-hmm. kind of build it into the premise there's that kind of empathic mimetic, empathic mimetic environment thing that you get with Akira. Where he
1: said
0: meth, by the way, if we're just calling people up on things. But do yeah, but you on.
2: said something much
1: worse than meth.
2: Yeah, but he's thinking
0: about meth.
1: <laughs> Always, fucking loves me some meth. Why his teeth?
2: <laughs> These are just painted on. Um, so that you got the the Akira kind of empathic mimetic landscape thing, and then every now and then you. Or also in Joe the Barbarian*, right, which is basically about empathic memetic landscape.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, and explicitly conjured from in mm-hmm. yeah one particular interior.
2: And then every now and then you get something that falls into the big weird category. I'm, I'm thinking of the Inca here, and, and bits of armor actually, which is like the Inca but good, um, where. You do just have someone glory glorying and realizing something big and huge and peculiar and sweeping and architectural. Um, and it's not really doing anything other than being a backdrop, but it's not a sort of the sort of aggressively pointed backdroppery that you get in Akira. It's 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 a fun, interesting contrast medium. Um, or, or it's or it's a little bit part of the world building, so the city in Transmet is is there as kind of of reinforcement of tropes, it's there as, as sort of color and and deco- and emphasis. Oh, I don't know. I don't really have a. I'm just cataloging ways of ways of showing used space. But you, I'm stuck on the Inca. I'm stuck on the Inca and occasional bits of, of stuff in, in in armor. But the the huge and peculiar distorted buildings and landscapes in in the Inca do have that dream architecture picture book feel but was is aggressively absent from some of the stuff we discussed last week. And I, I find that interesting. Maybe it's partly because the story is so fucking slight that you're looking at something else the rest of the time. But, uh, I don't know. The when, when we put together our list of things to look at, there was a conspicuous absence actually going back over them of things that did feel like the architectural picture book that felt that they were genuinely glorying in... Showing and exploring buildings, except in as much as it was for a sense of place, or occasionally even Robert Moses, yeah, Um, which was kind of a
1: surprise. It's one of these. I find it quite sort of hard to grasp as a topic to some extent, just because it's it's so prevalent. Nearly every comic Mm. has some manner of used space or some manner of buildings, and yet so often it's not done a lot with, or what's done Mm. with it is kind of incidental.
2: It's it's seldom the star player of the thing. Um. I guess, actually, if anyone's sort of listening and has an interesting counterpoint to this, I'd be curious to see any comics that really do dwell in foreground um, this stuff. Because the, the, <sighs> there are bits. So there's the the short story in The Authority where we find out about what Hawksmoor is actually for, the aliens that customised him that snatch him forward to pilot a city as a battle thingy in the far future. Um there are some sort of peculiar visualisations like that
0: that's a a phrase that comes up quite a lot as well so there's another thing in The Authority where you know there's another city that comes back in time and that's Mm. that's where it all begins I think it's Kansas is Mm. sent back and is destroying things and Hawksmaw's part of the same thing he ends up winning because I think he's in Sao Paulo and obviously that's
2: a separate comic but it does uh, that's the one with the other doctor yes but it yeah, there's, there's some vague urban stuff.
0: Um, in Kieran Gillan's run on um, Iron Man as well, the phrase, the city, coming from, coming from someone who was involved in urban planning, the, the city is a battle suit for surviving the future was a sort of continuous mm. refrain. It's quite more allies.
2: Well, it's, I think Black grabbed his new piece of short fiction and kind of explores some stuff around the edges of that.
0: I yes, I haven't read that yet. I'm saving that for my unceasing holiday
1: something I enjoyed about Nimona was the um, the thing that people have started to do more of lately the kind of mixing of the high fantasy feudal stuff and the mad science stuff so you've got mm. sort of super labs and you've got essentially peasants dwelling in shacks <laughs> those kind of there's mm. fantastical places
2: actually there is some interestingly explored architecture as character in um Clockwork or bastard. Brassant. Mm. One of the worlds they visit uh, has everything built on a ridiculously grand scale. So the entire capital city is one royal household. Because the mad mad king, n generations back, decided that things needed to be grand. So, you know, in order to get from his bedroom to his first breakfast room, which could take all day by airship. Kind of. So there's some interesting things about... Scale and therefore some distortions of you know, what constitutes space, what constitutes building, what co- the, the fact that you've had to build houses in, in up against the struts of an outsized drawing room, and just mm. kind of there's some there's some quite cool, cool stuff there about visualizing novel types of types of space and building.
1: Well, you also get that in the Necropolis in World's End. You have mm. a, a, an extensive and arcane city for one purpose, mm. yeah. which is another thing that. Comics sometimes do. This is this is the one place
2: where we go and do that thing and it's a big sporting city I mean, we touched this a bit last week. I, I don't know, I just find it interesting that maybe it's maybe it's my limited exposure, but I find it interesting that um, that kind of almost limitless capacity to explore this stuff exists in the medium, but that we see a few other types, right? There's the just enough city outside the window, the impanymetic mm-hmm. background, the city has a character, the sense of place city, Daredevils, Hell's Kitchen, Batman's Gotham, the kind of emotional pressure city. Uh-huh.
1: I wonder if it's something... So I think this is something that film does a lot better, and I wonder if it's the distance between the reader and the page that actually makes the scale and the perspective mm. a lot harder to instill. Mm. And thus you end up doing the sketchy version or the fine-detailed art version. You do what works in the medium, but you can't do that kind of ground thing. So I'm thinking of Brazil, for instance, yeah. and those massive, massive sort of dystopian structures, mm. which it's much harder to create mm. that in small panels when there's a gap mm. between you and the experience.
2: Yeah, and we, we, t- we talked for ten minutes last week about the skyscraper
0: in the drag movie. Yes. Movies, movies have much more yeah. control over time. Mm-hmm. And light. Um, you have absolute control over the time it takes someone to perceive something. So, for example, uh, probably the incal is the closest that we have to, for example, the opening of Blade Runner, where Blade Runner is mm. sat there going... This is what Los Angeles looks like now. Sit and pay attention. We're going to very, very slowly show you all of this stuff. Whereas in a comic, you, you can't necessarily press that scale home in the same way because you've got no guarantee someone will look at it. You
1: can't choose the pace at all. Yeah,
2: yeah. Robert Moses has a go... the uh, Asterius Pollock has a go in the opening pages. Though, yes. And in some of the later bits and bobs. And then the massive zoom out at the end where it smashes the colour palettes of the meteor. You can build
0: in complexity yes. to try and slow pace.
1: And I think Hysteria's call a really good example of comics being able to do stuff that film categorically cannot in terms of time, space, concept, (laughs) seeing through physical objects. It does a lot of the sort of nets and meshes and structures of things deconstructed.
0: Something else that that sort of has a sort of very... It sort of sits somewhere between these is Hawkeye, which has sections in New York which are handled very much in the same way as Daredevil they're street level that everything's hemmed in they're quite impressive but it's sort of it's drawn in a different way everything's an old brownstone it looks like a movie from the 70s it specifically looks like the French Connection for a large part and then it moves to LA and it's very very open it's completely different and everything is shot Every you know everything's mm-hmm. shorter, flatter and, and it all looks totally different and again borrows quite heavily from film it borrows from a lot of sort of 60s and 70s era film in the way that L.A. is portrayed. I thought that was quite interesting in the way Mm -hmm. that they were just sort of... There's a clear sense of style that they're trying to lift from each of those uh, and portray in the comics, and that's there as a shorthand, but it also works if you don't know the films.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: All the cities.
0: All the cities. Yes. I've not been to New York, so... My experience in New York is mostly from watching the French collection.
2: <laughs> oh, are we coming around to the idea maybe that although comics can, can do some wonderful things, that certainly the ones we know about, whilst they've been good for talking about concepts, particularly cities about centres of place, are actually not an amazing vehicle for kind of exploring and walking what? you through architecture?
1: Yeah, I think they're great for doing big, intricate stuff. That would be just so expensive to film. Mm. That you know they they have that on their side, but it's, but it's for visual display. It's static. It's for art. It's mm. not for the walking through and the experience. And often, I think as we found, the sense of place actually comes from the people. So when you were saying, you expected the thing you read where there were more built fewer buildings yeah. and more faces, and you expected yeah, the, the place comes from the people, mm. as opposed to the actual place because it's just
2: so much harder to capture. Which I'm sure an architect would probably broadly agree with, or at least some. I don't know. We should find one and ask. Well, we asked a zookeeper once, so we could ask an architect.
1: I know an architect. Hmm? She we once designed ask. a uh, building for her course, and realised part way through that it looked like a pig. And did she carry on? She she modified Double it down. somewhat, but it still kind of looked like a pig.
0: Pigs are really round.
1: It was the kind of it was <laughs> half a pig kind that in yeah, the yeah. That we expect
2: from.
0: Half the, the pig's sort of, still really round. The
1: sort of, it was kind of a big lump of a building and then she put like a little foyer on the front with two doors that look like a snout.
0: <laughs> I see where you're going with Wouldn't this. Wouldn't
1: go the whole way with a curly tail. At Wouldn't go
0: the, the whole hog. Oh. Well. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We're going to ask an architect. Next time, it's going to be Roger and Lucy on their own, no adult supervision and they're taking your questions.
2: Well, maybe we were also going to talk. We, we yeah. do have a suggestion for a topic. It's true, I'd still like to hear some questions. Yeah, we, well, we'll happily take questions, but we'll fill the rest of the time talking about our two specialist subjects. Indeed, cheese. And gay stuff.
0: What a treat for you all. I won't be here, I don't have to listen to it. Good night. I bet you still do. I bet you still listen to it.